<laughs> Luke, I think you brought your baby home today. I want pictures. I want to put them up on Patreon. I'm bored out of my effing mind. My family's not here, and I thought I would have fun playing video games and sticking around, and I hate my life. It's just how you lived in your 20s. You had all the time in the world, and it's too much time. Oh, it's too much time. The canvas is too blank. I can't live. I can't live this way, I tell you. It's miserable. Look, my dog keeps biting my hand. What? So, Luke, how are things? Hi. Are we recording? Is this real? This is real. We are 20 okay, seconds in. this is in. real. <laughs> so, it is Thursday, July 9th. I'm calling you at uh, 7 o'clock your time. Yep. yep. And you're this taking a walk? Best. Yep. This is probably the most pure episode of Catching Foxes we'll ever do. So, <laughs> enjoy it, everyone. So, what's going on, my man? Anything uh, new happened to you in your life? Well, we put some shelves down in the basement. That was very exciting. Oh, man, that uh, must have been tiring. Let, let me put it this way. Aaron's dad put the shelves in the basement. I helped go to Home on Depot with him. <laughs> Why is Aaron's dad in town? Uh, because we had a child. You issued forth a human while well, your wife did. I That's awesome. reproduced. <laughs> Fruit of my loins. Oh, man. Flesh of my flesh. Flesh of my flesh, blood of my blood. My blood. Um, Get down. Oh, I need to remember that people can see everything I'm doing while I'm walking. Yes, that's very true. So you're you're, here. (laughs) You're taking a stroll in the neighborhood, giving me a call on Skype, uh, hence the audio quality. But uh, why? uh, So, congratulations, number one. Everly, how, uh, what happened? What was the stats? Give me the. uh, How's mama? Are you ready? (laughs) Okay, so Aaron's doing great. Good. She's recovering. She's doing very good. She's a trooper. I'm actually very impressed with her. It's been good. Uh, <laughs> very good. It's been great. It's, you know, we can't have all the family here that I would like to have, but we can have enough. I uh, can't have all the friends that I'd like to have, but we can have enough. So, um, okay. So do you want like the whole story? Well, let's, let's start with the stats. Let's start with the stats. Okay. So are you ready for this? <laughs> Born nine pounds, 12 ounces. Nice. Could you imagine pushing out a thing like that? <laughs> Could you like, the, like, it would just it would just destroy so many things. Well, uh, well when I was born, I was eleven pounds two ounces. So, oh, uh, gosh, all C section <laughs> for me. Better start eating, kid. <laughs> gosh, eleven pounds, dude! Holy shit! You're welcome, um, America. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it funny, Luke, that now you understand that from an experiential perspective? You're like, I know. It's wait like, a second. If this nine pound, 12 ounce thing was insane, wow. Yeah, Kateri was like nine and a half pounds. And the, the baby next to Kateri in the delivery room was five pounds. And it looked like at any moment Kateri was just going to reach over and just eat the baby. <laughs> it is weird when you've like put babies, like when you have them be side by side and maybe make them fight. I don't know. Yeah, you're like, all right, I'll take bets. Like an old cockfight. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so stats. So 31 hours of labor. Um, What other stats do people care about? 
how many inches? 22. 22 inches. Standing yeah. on this corner at nine <laughs> pounds of 12 ounces. 22 <laughs> inches. Air, air jabs. She spits. Just like stares at someone. Yeah. Ding, ding. Well, man, I am I am so happy for you. Like we were following you eagerly, and then your text messages to all of your college buddies, uh, all of us, like stopped. You know, there were like gaps of hours, and then we would text each other, being like, "What do you think's happening? What's going on?" Like they're in the hospital. Like the water broke. What's going on? And then and then slow down. And all do you want to know all the stupid stuff that I said? I said and did. <laughs> yes, I want to know okay. all of it. So Aaron started having. Okay, so. Okay, so I'll kind of go through the whole story, and then I'll well, then we'll get serious and blah 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 blah. Uh, listen, I'm, I'll be very clear. There were no profound spiritual like insights I have. So if that's so if that's what you want, I'm sure there are other podcasts who can create who can create like fake ones to make you feel better. So <laughs> I'm just I'm, I'm not even in a bad mood. <laughs> okay, no, I'm just kidding. Um, okay, so. When's okay, so we had scheduled an induction for so this is uh time is like truly lost all meaning. So I yeah. believe today is Friday, July 9th, right? Right. So last Monday, which would have been June 30th or the 29th, I don't remember which which one I, I think. We scheduled an induction for Thursday, July the second at 4 a.m. Now if, if like, who knows how like, and induction doesn't typically work like you get induced and it's like wham bam think bam let's go, it it depends it can take time you know, blah 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 blah. I'm no expert but I did have to wear a bunch of garb on on um on Friday so I felt very cool. Uh, I, I I did I make a lot of I concur jokes. Nice. Okay. I concur. Yeah, in, I concur. Aaron was in no mood for any of that, but I was. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So I come home from work on Wednesday and she goes, I think my water may have broke. And I'm like, okay. So we get a hold of her doctor and he goes, that sounds like it, you know, could have. Why don't you just head in? So we schedule them. So we're, we're scheduled to be there at eight. We get there at eight and they're pretty sure that. Her water hasn't like hasn't broken, but they then say, you know what? Uh, just hang out here. You already have your room. It's already you know you're here eight hours early. Who cares? And I'm like, my bill cares, but no, I'm fine. So, <laughs> so I feel free to pop in and just ask stuff. Yeah. So and we'll and we can you know like I'm gonna lose on the thread and really and just like really alienate all of our listeners. Good deal. Per, per tradition. Yes. So. Aaron starts getting contractions maybe about two minutes apart. I don't remember if this is before or after she was induced, but let's say after. So I'm I think it's the I think it's Thursday morning. We had gone in on Wednesday night. I get a nice parfait down in the cafeteria. Excellent. And I'm taking the granola in, in like one part of the tray and I'm spooning it into the yogurt and I'm eating it while Aaron's having contractions. <laughs> now they're not intense, but they're still contractions. And I mean, okay, she would kill me if she, if she heard me say this. Like it was like not the whole like, oh my gosh, breathe, breathe, one, two, three. You know, it's just more like, ooh, ah, mm, you know, like yeah. she's definitely in pain, but it doesn't seem like it's anything where 
It's it's not like it doesn't seem like it's progressing to the point where she's about to issue forth a child. And it, yeah, and it's not the kind of pain you have to coach a person through. Right, right, right. And so I'm eating my granola and, to, and putting it into my yogurt, and all time, and then I just kind of go, I've gotten really used to these contractions. While eating parfait. <laughs> <laughs> and she's on the bed. <laughs> yeah. Gonna so murder that. you. I get it. I get it. So I want to respect Aaron's privacy. So I'm not going to go into too much stuff here, but uh, um, there, she just like wasn't progressing along. And yeah. so at one point in time at four in the morning, she's had the epidural or, but you know, and it's just not really progressing. And the nurses, I have to say, we went to Kettering on Medical here in, here in Dayton. Fantastic. They were wonderful. Like, truly, we're writing, like, a letter for how well to them to let them know how well their staff, especially all of the nurses, took care of yeah, us. We did the same thing. We did the same thing for our nursing it's staff. They were they, amazing. People really go all out. It's yeah. really quite amazing. So, anyways, um, it's about three, three, 3 to 4 in the morning. And Aaron's just having a heck of a time. And I, like, wake up while a bunch of nurses are, like, helping her. Again, she's, like, it's just having issues progressing with the labor. And at one point in time, I'm kind of praying, but I'm also, like, like still waking up. And so how it works is in your hospital room, which is actually pretty big. It's it's about the size of, like, a nice hotel room. Um, It's maybe a little bit smaller, but it's. Bigger, uh, bigger than what I expected. Okay. So they have this couch that you take the, like, and you, like, push this button and the back part goes down and it turns into a bed. So I turned into a bed and I'm lying down and I'm asleep. And typically, like, by this point in time, you're already starting to just, like, try to sleep an hour here, two hours there, hour and a half here. And so it's three, four in the morning. I'm kind of, you know, she's full on trying to, you know, stuff is going on, but it's not progressing still. And Aaron, and I'm like, like, I get up, there's stuff going on. And instead of like getting up off the couch and say, okay, I'm going to like sit here and kind of watch and just coach her, coach her through this. I'm still lying down <laughs> on the couch, kind of awake. And Aaron just looks at me and goes, Luke, would you get up, please? Like that. Uh, not, the, not the happiest person in the world. Not the happiest person in the world. About maybe two hours after that, basically what had happened was the baby's heartbeat started to have some issues, basically implying she was going through some, going through some stress. And at this point in time, we knew the baby a couple weeks ago had measured at about seven pounds. So there was a chance it was going to be a really big baby. So they decided, you know what? If you want, like the doctor said, let's do a C-section. We agreed, and that's what we did. So, if you have never now, okay, when you you've had four kids, all they've all been C-sections, right? Yeah, and our first, the three were planned. The first was not. Okay, and for those of you that don't know, it's where they basically like open up your wife, take out a couple of her organs, and then pull out the baby, pretty much, and then reinsert, stitch, and then you're done. <laughs> so when you went in there. Did they have this like a curtain screen up by her head so you couldn't see the surgery? Uh, yes. So she had already been. So with with Kateri, they you know it was an emergency situation. It's very similar to your your situation where her um, heart was 
essentially stopping every time Shannon had a contraction. Yes, yes, that's exactly what happened. And yeah. so they rushed her out to um, to uh, the pre-op room and then gave me some booties and a hairnet and, you know, yep. things to put yep. on over my clothes. And then they forgot about me, and I'm, like, just pacing outside the, oh my God. the yeah, wing. I, yeah, I, I and, know exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, and See, then, I, I don't know. If, I don't know if her heart stopped or I am, but I do know that it was they're having issues with her heartbeat. Yeah, and then so Shannon's like, "Get my husband now!" So they walk <laughs> out there and they get me, and I walk in. And Shannon would scare the hell out of me if she was really angry. Yeah. Oh yeah. She she scares me even when she's happy. Um. So <laughs> the uh, the sheet was drawn right up to her neck, and all you can see is her head, and her arms are out like cruciform. And you're just chilling next to the anesthesiologist who's monitoring all the levels and everything. And all the rest of the medical operation, you know, the the surgery team, um, they're all on the other side of the sheet doing their thing. Now, that was at the first hospital. At the third hospital for my third kiddo, we had different hospitals every time, um, where they – it was still the sheet, but then where they uh, cleaned the baby was all in the same room. Whereas in the previous yes. two hospitals, yep. they were in different rooms. So I walk over and they're cleaning the baby and I'm with the baby and they're doing the little baby footprint. And then I turn around and I see, you know, basically into my wife's uh, to my wife's spine from the inside. Like I was like, Jeez. oh, my God. And it's like all wide open. And then that yeah. I, I will never forget the doctor was holding her stomach up and then moved his hand and the whole stomach came down. And I was like. Oh, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my gosh. It's just and like it's just so funny what like procreation actually involves. Yeah. You know? It is a every, violent storm. <laughs> yeah, we spend so much time emphasis everyone who's walking around is gonna give me the weirdest looks. But we spend so much time talking about like the other stuff. Like the you know, the like let's be honest, like like thirty to forty five seconds. <laughs> yeah, <And> like <laughs> none of everything else. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you got that Jim Gaffigan quote. You know, a woman, you know, sustains life with her body, gives birth through her body, and then uh, breastfeeds the baby and nourishes the baby with her body. When you step back and think about the male contribution to life, it's pretty insignificant. <laughs> and he's like, uh, "It took me five minutes to do the thing I think about literally twenty four hours a day." yeah and that's like from start to end you know yeah that's not that's like that's like oh okay it's you know that's brain turns yeah yeah (laughs) hey nerds i want to introduce you to something both random and beautiful like luke in a pair of skinny jeans and that's sock religious i know what you're thinking uh so like religious socks But these socks are actually quite great because Sock Religious, you may not know this, is the number one largest Catholic sock company in the world. Probably. They are a mom-and-pop online store run by people who not only love their Catholic faith, but celebrate more feast days than anyone else this side of Rome. Their number one goal is to bring joyful Catholic products to the world to start more conversations about our faith. I mean, think about it. If someone thinks Catholicism is boring, snobbish, and lame, and then they see your socks, their argument is immediately rendered invalid, and Jesus will give them the grace of regeneration right there, born again. Boom! Thank you, Sock Religious. Each pair is designed by creative director Madison by Madison, who first studies the life of the saint and then prays about the work. Now think about this. This isn't a flat drawing or even a painting, but a three-dimensional design knit 
into the fabric. All adult socks fit men's 5 to 11 and women's 7 to 12. I'm about 11 and a half, and they fit me nicely. Head on over to SockReligious.com today to get your pair in the mail and spice up your Sunday best with these sick socks. I recommend St. Benedict and St. Francis as my two favorite designs. So thank you very much to Sock Religious for sponsoring this episode of Catching Foxes. Okay, so, like, they take her back there. They prep her. I'm waiting but had enough time to post on instagram the cool thing <laughs> and, then, uh, and i chose Al had City some time to do some hot takes <laughs> yeah, yeah i was like listen we can do a spot if we want to we can do a quick ad i can do two ads here <laughs> like people like our ads it's okay so then they bring me back there and i you know but this time it's just like you're you're just full on adrenaline really enjoying the fact that i like that i'm in that i am in scrubs having thoughts if i totally could have been a doc if i'd gone on adhd medicine earlier so anyways (laughs) um i finally go back there and there's no curtain okay so like there's nothing really hiding my ability just to see everything. Yeah, yikes. And I can kind of hear it all happening. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's somewhat loud. And, like, at one point in time, they have this thing that looks like a crowbar. And I'm like, holy freaking A, what is <laughs> happening? And I was surprised at how I'm usually pretty squeezy when it comes to gore and medical things. Not during this. Oh, really? Like, yeah. Not, like You know, I've always been the one who's a little bit like... You know, I would, I mean, I would never criticize anyone for breastfeeding ever. And I think it's great. But I was also the one who grew out of, at like a friend's house and you like grabbed the beer out of the fridge and you saw what clearly was that. I'd be like, <laughs> okay. You know, like there's just something about it that felt very personal and foreign. Yeah. I guess. And so, but now that's all gone away. Like it just doesn't like. Does it mean anything? So, okay. So push comes to shove. They start, and they and like all of a sudden you start to like they go okay here we go. I hear go oh there's a bunch of water and like water went everywhere out of Aaron's body. So that's nuts. <laughs> so uh, you know this is the thing I never thought I'd water, be explaining. Water, water like, everywhere, and not a drop to drink. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> never have true words been spoken on on catching foxes. This she's okay. So they're going in there and like, also they go, okay, okay, there's like, there's the baby. I'm like, all right, honey, it's like happening. Here's the baby. And they just pull out this chunker of a baby and they go, Oh, she's huge. (laughs) And I'm like, and like, she was, I was like, Oh, she's huge. Like it wasn't this thought of like, Oh, it was like, Oh my God, it was a big baby. Uh, and then all of a sudden I was like, Oh my gosh, she looks like me. Oh my gosh. She looks like me. You poor girl. (laughs) So, um, and then things get, I don't think I've told you any of this, have I? No. Okay. So then things get kind of serious. Okay. Okay. So do you know how there's some scale they have when a baby's born? I don't know. The scale could be the wrong word, but they assign a couple of numbers. It'll be like, you know, like three, uh, eight, um, nine or something. It begins, it begins over oh, the letter a, I don't remember exactly what it's called. Okay. But the idea behind it is from this is from what I from what I understand is that it signs like how she progresses right after she comes out of the womb, okay. and you like have a zero, which is like okay, this is very serious. This is you know quite quite possibly very bad, very serious. To a nine, which is like everything's fine. Okay. 
So she comes out and she starts as a one. Now I didn't um, know this at, at, at the time. I'm just like, they are going, okay. All, like this overwhelming experience of like feeling of like just elation and joy with this tinge of like, Oh, they're moving really fast. You know, like, like, like these, like all these yeah. nurses who grabbed her, they're like, they're doing something. And this isn't like, you could just kind of tell that this was not the norm. Yeah. So, okay. So that, so then I'm starting to like, I'm, I'm the like glued into her and what's going on while telling Aaron, isn't she great? Isn't she great? This is awesome. But also kind of, you know, and I start to pay attention to their eyes and at one point in time, Aaron's, um, Aaron's OB- OBGYN, who was, who, um, you know, um, he, he was running a- 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 everything. He goes, he goes, how are we doing? And they don't really answer. Oh, yeah. And I see that like, like they're looking, I'm like, okay, this is serious. So then all of a sudden joy is met by like insane fear. Yeah. Like, it's like just, but then also then it goes back to joy and then like curiosity and they put a breathing mask on her, a little um, breathing mask to cover up her face and her nose. And I, I, I remember having a thought of, okay, I've seen that before. I don't know how serious, but like, I've seen that before. So like, this is, mm-hmm. this is, you know, this has happened before. I don't know why I just like that gave me some sort of comfort. And then I, then, um, one of them tells the one call, like call like Dr blah 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 and i'm like okay and they go and they do that and, and, and say she's on her way this other doctor comes in and they're still um, working on her and then it seems like they're and then the the anesthesi- the anesthesiologist was fantastic she's coaching aaron through all the going it's like okay like she's like basically she's encouraging aaron i am as well and then they tell me like hey dad do you want to hold on to her hand want to give her uh on your finger and i'm like yeah so i go and hold on my pinky and she just immediately grabs onto it, yeah. Which is just this insanely, you know. I wasn't overwhelmed with emotion. It was just like this is just more like, I mean, dumb, dumbstruck. You know, just kind of like I don't know. There are no words to really explain what's going on here, besides them touching my daughter for the first time. You know, and just like wow, this is crazy. This is crazy, crazy, crazy. So, and then. They go, okay, we're going to give her 10 more minutes. And I'm like, okay. And then the, the doctor who came, came into the room comes up to me and she goes, okay, so she has a lot of fluid in her lungs. And we're working on getting that out. And I think it's either before or right after this. No, I think it was after. Okay, so, so she goes, we're, you know, this is common when you, uh, when you have a C-section at times. Uh, we are I'm working on her. There's a chance she might have to go to the um, NICU, which by that, so they put this um, wristband on me and, and they say they've got to take her back there, which uh, just, just just to do some more, I'm going to work on her. You can go back there. I'm with her, but you have to wear this. You will not be allowed back there. Oh, without something. And I'm not really, I'm panicking yet. I'm just like, okay. Again, like they're doing work. They don't, it, it didn't seem to be like this baby's dying. Yeah. It seemed to be, okay, we got to, we got to go to work. Yeah. And then, and then they said, we're going to give her about, you know, 10 more minutes to see what happens. And we're, you know, judging upon how this goes, we're going to have to go back there. And there are two girls on a skateboard. I've never seen that before in terms of just like a suburban night. Just like, Oh no, man. Skateboards are all the rage now, but who don't seem like skaters. That's what's confusing. I guess. All the rage. All the rage. Really? Yep. Why? The long boards, especially. 
Then they start to like, they basically put, so after I, after I talk with the doctor, they then say, just stay here with her. I'm like, great. So when we haven't left where they like had the surgery and stuff. So we're all in the same, we're in, in the same room still. So, uh, they then put two like long things down, down her, down her nose. And what really like got me was just like, not the fact that they did that, but how far down they went. I was like, geez. And so <laughs> all the way into those like, lungs, huh? all the way down. Yeah, I yeah. was like, my gosh, that's amazing. Um, and really it was more like, I'm just, I was just amazed at what they could do as opposed to like horrified by it. Um, I could tell what they were doing was trying to clear, clear up the fluid and it seemed to be working. So then I just, you know, and then I was, then they said, you can just hang out with her for a bit while she, we wait and see what happens. By this point in time, it was so somewhat chaotic. Yeah. But I just started to like talk to her. I told her who I was, told her that like I loved her, how happy we were at a meter, you know, all the stupid, all the stuff that like you usually say. Yeah. And she's, and that's when I started getting kind of emotional because it was just like both in terms of, um, of the fear and the just overwhelming joy. But it was much more positive than it was scary because I could tell I'd like then I knew what they were doing. They did a great job of explaining what they were doing and how it was going to help. So I was less, I was more concerned, but not really scared. I think it would be a better way to put it. And so I just said, like, we're going to, I'm like, Carrie, we're so happy to have you here. It's finally good to meet you. You know, like all this, all the stuff that like you basically try to say to your kid who won't ever remember it yeah. to try to comprehend what's actually going on here. <laughs> so then they come back and they said, I think they said, you can hold her if you want to. So I did that. That was really cool. I kind of, I'm showing her to Aaron. Aaron could tell that stuff was going on, but again, the anesthesiologist did a great job of calming her down. And I was kind of saying, everything's fine. Well, I'm down. I'm like, everything is not fine. Yikes. But uh, Yikes. <laughs> like the world is a mess. Yeah. <laughs> then they came back. I believe they said like, she's okay. We're going to have to come back and like, see how she's doing though. And they were able to give her to Aaron. Aaron could, you know, do start doing the skin to skin stuff or um, other yeah. chest to chest stuff. That was really cool. That was a really cool moment of just, be able to see your wife with your kid. It, just, it was that was just cool. It was really really cool. Yeah. We yeah. So then that was that. And then we they, you know you, you go to like a like a like a side room while they kind of prep everything for you. And then I guess the nurses that were there they were um, the NICU nurses, and they were just so good. And she was and she started uh, to look good and fine. Like she was able to breathe. It, everything was fine. And so then challenge two. It became she had low blood sugar levels, which kind of is a thing that can happen if you have a more heavier baby. Mm. Her blood sugar levels were pretty low. She measured at like a 32, and they want to see them at a 45. Okay. So they were saying we're going going out to feed her, like like Aaron can start out to feed her, and we'll they will I'll measure it again, and we will go up from there. And I think immediately they jumped up to like a 42 or something. Oh, wow. Okay. We did have to watch that, but for the most part, her blood sugar levels, like it was, that was about a day's worth of stuff of just keeping an eye on that. And it was fine. Okay. It was totally fine. And then we had an issue. So there was a, so, okay. So you have, you have the food in the lung stuff. You um, have the blood sugar levels. And then we got to, she tested Coombs positive, which this is really fascinating. So if the baby and the mom have different, blood types yeah. what can happen is the baby's 
blood will treat the mom's blood as like a thing it has to fight. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. And you either have an increase or a decrease in red blood cells. I think I don't remember which one I'm too tired <laughs> and it basically can cause it can, it can test pot. It can be basically tests. Like she was high risk for, she's just a positive for, for Coons and high risk for jaundice. Okay. She has these Billy Rubin levels. And if and she was at like a five point two, and then she, and then she jumped, but it wasn't this astronomical jump. So you have someone who can go from like a twelve to a twenty four. That can be very high risk. That's like when um, John just goes bad, I guess, or something. Yeah. And that can lead to issues with like her brain development, or like uh, can lead towards certain neurological issues. Uh, and you experienced something like that with Noah, right? Yeah, Noah had to get, uh, they gave him the little, these little sunglasses that are really cute, and uh, he has to stay under a UV light blanket. And we had the, some of the issues that you're describing are stuff that we had with Katiri, and others are ones that we had with Noah. Cecilia and Thomas, if I remember right, they were more or less fine. But um, yeah, you're, you're, and as a dad, you can't do a damn thing. Like this is all Nothing. extremely Nothing. high medical stuff that you're just on the outside looking in. There's no ice chips. There's no rubbing the back. It's like you're running from place to place to place to place. Um, you know, the crazy thing is in the scenario where we had Katiri versus where we had Thomas, completely different approaches from the hospital. Katiri's was really? more, yeah, because uh, we were in Austin, and the way that they did it back then, right, this is 10 years ago, was like kind of like your more traditional hospital where you give birth or they do, they do the operation, then the nurse takes the baby out and the dad follows the nurse, and mommy sees the baby for maybe three seconds, and they take the baby over and begin doing all the stuff, and so I just stare through the window that they have. And I'm out there while they're stitching Shannon up. And then they put her in a post-op room. And then once the baby has achieved some sort of level of stability, they'll bring the baby in and they can, they'll can let mommy hold it and attempt you know breastfeeding. Whereas yeah. with Thomas, uh, the exact opposite happened. So Thomas was four years ago with Thomas. Um, they do everything in the operation room where the C-section happens. So they take the baby. You don't leave the room for them to go yep. clean the baby and do the vitamin K shot and, like, the things Which that they... Which is what we had, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And it was such a better experience because... I agree. Shannon I agree. is sitting there with Kateri, or with uh, Thomas. She's like, tell me what's going on. What's happening? So I was, like, walking back and forth. And um, when nurses are, like, running, like, a test, they'd give me the baby, and I could walk the baby to Shannon and, you know, do a little skin-to-skin and all that stuff. And um, they have that contact a lot with Noah and Thomas and not at all with Katiri. And, um, and it was very it – was, it was so different, so different. And you're just anxious the whole time. Now, the, the funny thing is with C-section babies, the stuff that you're saying is all very common. You know, as babies are squeezed through the birth canal – the actual process of being born does a lot of, you know, triggers a lot of systems within babies that unfortunately C-sections, um, it doesn't always happen. And so, so you'll find a lot of babies with like fluid in their lungs and things like that, that, um, become an issue. And, um, it's, it's fairly common, but it is 
awesome um, when you're there. And as a dad, you're terrified, but you get to be, you know, you're the guy, right? Like you're there, it's your child and, and you're, you're able to help once the baby is born and the nurses are kind of done. It's like, it, it is funny because it all revolves around the mom until all of a sudden the baby comes and then it shifts and it's all like, all right, dad, you go take care of this while mom recuperates. And you're like, Oh my God. Yeah. Post off. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> you don't understand the things that I do with my spare time. <laughs> <laughs> you would think he's not ready for this. <laughs> you know, I don't Okay, So here's one insight I kind of have from all this is of course here at catching foxes. We're very like pro God. Obviously, go on. And uh, <laughs> so I've heard, although some would disagree, apparently, whatever. It's not that, you know, the church or people now are are anti-science, but with a lot of the techne and the way that people view science, it can feel almost as if like we always talk about how what's like, to some like it's become, the science has become our false god. So like out in Cincinnati, you would see all of these billboards that would say in science, there's hope for yeah. a UC a medical center and just different things where it just it was like you can tell they're trying to beef up science and that's, and it kind of started to like rub me the wrong way, especially as we got more to the automatic on my back away and just like what techne is as a driving force of your culture and how, and just how, you know, empty that, that is. But it's very important to not forget like the gift that science is also and what it can do. Yeah. I never really had, I mean, I was scared. I was nervous. But I never like lacked confidence. Yeah. And I like that's a really huge gift. And I'm not saying that's a gift that comes from um, science and not God. I'm just saying that how blessed are we to live in a time where, you know, this is a hundred years ago. This is something I'm turning into my mom. (laughs) (laughs) But this was she always used to do this stuff. I mean, she still does. She she did it like 20 times. Well, uh, if if this is a hundred years ago, this is a very different experience for Aaron. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, and so it just, um, it's a real blessing. And so I just, I felt very, I just felt very, I, I always felt like I was in safe hands. Part of that, I think is, I think I really experienced there because they, I don't believe they are. I mean, there was definitely a religious bent to the hospital there. They had a couple of Bible verses up out in their halls and each room was like, had like a prayer team or something like they, they had, they had like a sign that says this room has been on the dedicated by this like prayer team for the, at, at the hospital or something. It was, it was kind of cool. That's interesting. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, I would say, I don't really mean prayer team as in the charismatic prayer team. It seemed it was just kind of oh, more as in like, you know, there's a group who prays for people at the hospital and that's yeah. cool. Yeah. It was, and like, they really brought a human touch to it. That was just that when you combine that, like with this incredible science, cause you know, she had to have for her jaundice, she had to have that. She had to have the UV light for about two days when it's on this blanket and she has a little goggle and it's cute, but it's also just kind of sucks. And so like what you basically have to, what like we had to do was we had to, she, we had to feed her every, every three hours. And as long as she continued to poop, especially that, again, a disgusting black tar looking poop, which just looks like a baby's pooping out like a black marble, <laughs> but it's like a gooey black marble. And you're like, what the hell is this alien thing? Ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, oh my gosh. No. Um, she would, and that's how it's so basically you have to keep like, feeding the baby. The baby has to keep um, pooping and peeing. And that's how their Billy Rubin 
on the number of stuff gets back. I think it's how they get rid of the Billy Rubin stuff. I mean, like she had stuff that isn't very uncommon, but what was, what was kind of rare was to have it all at once. Yeah. To have the food in the lungs, to have the low blood uh, sugar, then to have the jaundice that needed to be treated all in a row was a little bit like, okay, this isn't really, this is like normal, but it's not like high risk dangerous. So that's why I really wasn't, I didn't like text a lot of people this because I had my mom texting our family and stuff, but there just wasn't, it was, you're just like, okay, and next thing is this and we're fine. And the thing is this and we're fine. I'm amazed by the lack of time you actually have Yeah. to do like just to do stuff because you're trying to process it. You're trying to help and you're trying to do the things that, that, that you have to do. And you just don't have time to be like, Hey, like I haven't told her on Patreon people. I, I started to do a post and I had to stop because I had to help out or something, which has basically been my life for the past week. How annoying. How dare she? How I know, dare I'll be, she? <laughs> I did have a talk with her while I was holding her on oh, oh, one time that it's okay if she wants to join join Stella, but she just has to she and she can't date an AMDG guy, but she has to marry one. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. So I'm not, yeah, I'm like that that sounds fair. Yeah. Uh, I just don't want to. It's going to be a lot of heartache while she's, you know, on dating them. Right. It's, it's got to be exhausting. <laughs> Ask our wives. Yeah, seriously. Um, yeah, so that was the birthing story of uh, Everly Suzanne Carey, shared with thousands of strangers. Nice. Nice. Well, I'm happy she's here. So, what's it been like? So, you guys got home on Monday. Uh, your in laws came in. When did they get in? And they're staying with y'all. Yeah, so they got in Wednesday afternoon, which is kind of a bummer because we at least wanted to be able to spend one night with them. Uh, they got in Wednesday afternoon, and then we went up to the hospital like four hours later. Ah, gotcha. So well, they've been a beauty, you know. I mean, I, I just hats off to people, unlike my sister and um, her boyfriend Mark, who had their baby in April. Well, all you know, we were in, the whole place was just in lockdown. And it's just amazing to me that people who like had kids went through all this stuff on their own. Cause we, so my mom is out here. She's been staying in Cincinnati and she tested for COVID and it came back and came back on the negative. So she was in the hospital with us for the most part. Like she would go home to her friend's house and crash at night. But, uh, cause we were allowed one additional person. Yeah. So we've at least have had Aaron's parents at home. And like, you know, like I think when, when Christina had her baby, my mom couldn't even, it was impossible to get on a plane and come out here. Yeah. Cause I think she could still fly, but she would have to quarantine for two weeks mm. on her own somewhere, <laughs> you know? And yeah, so that's rough. It just, yeah. Yeah. And it just was like, so, I just hats off to those people who had to go through this just on their own. I mean, that kind of strength is just yeah. unreal. Yeah. That's, that's, that's baller. So, um, yeah, but we're good, man. And just, uh, you know, I, 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 it's funny. Um, I don't have this, like, I, I love Everly and it's been a really, and it really has opened up on uh, uh, my heart in a way. It's been really cool, but I haven't had this, like, you ever hear some people say they have like a profound spiritual moment when they had their first kid? Yeah. Did you have that? I mean, I had a profound emotional thing. Yeah, absolutely. 
I didn't really have that. Okay. I think I, I think now I think I'm, I'm not saying that I wasn't emotional. Like right. I said before, like I cried a bit, but I didn't like sob. I just got choked up. It wasn't this like it's, I, but it has been really, really good. Yeah. Like when we talk about the true, the good, and the beautiful, we don't often talk about the good. And this experience has really reminded me of two things. Well, it's really kind of like one, how important the good is, because this has just been so good. It's been so good and it's horrible. <laughs> I'm sleep deprived. I'm a crabby bitch. Like I'm just not a good person to be around right now. Me, uh, I'm saying that. I probably shouldn't I'm use that word. Um, but I'm just, you know, like whenever me and Aaron do get to a little like argument, I'm not very nice. <laughs> You're not, you're not giving anyone a break. <laughs> I'm no, we're like, well, like, I mean, we're we're both trying to, and she's recovering from major abdominal surgery. Yeah, um, it's just when it's you know two in the morning, and you're trying to like, you know, calm down a crying baby, and your dog is unwigging out, and you're tired, and you don't understand how a baby can kick so hard <laughs> while you're trying to burp her, <laughs> and just like move her arm. I'm just like, can't you just put your head down? It's just so easy. You're a baby. You're an, you are six days old. Why are you fighting? Um, she has core strength. I'm like, man, you, you want to be an athlete? That'd be really helpful for, for college. Um, but, like, there wasn't any sort of, like, profound, like, oh, my gosh. Do I, like, I, but, like, I see the world in a different way. It's just like this is really, really good. Yeah. And I haven't – like, it, it, it just makes, like, everything – all the bad stuff, like the exhaustion, the anxiety, because like one part of it is like you just don't know what you're doing. Right, right, right. You, you know, like you can read all the stuff that you want. But when push comes to shove, this is child number one that you've ever been responsible for completely. Like this human being is completely dependent upon you. And you're just like, okay, here we go. <laughs> and it's really difficult, but it's really, really good. And I, I just – I don't know how else to explain it besides that. It's just, it's, there's, there's a, there's a goodness there that makes everything worth it. And so it's not this like emotional high, which that does happen. That's, that's there. But for me, the more profound experience has just been, oh, this is a really good thing that I wish we talked about it more. Yeah. Cause I think it was like some people, it's, we, we just tend to base stuff on emotions so much. Yeah. That the good gets lost in that. Well, and the other thing is, like, you're going to have an emotional reaction, whatever, to your kid being born and all that stuff. But when, I mean, you, people who are reminiscing on this stuff also can telescope all of these things and compress them into one moment that actually was the first month of, you know, your life is such a freaking blur right now. That, uh, yeah. I, oh, yeah. What you'll do is you'll look back at this and you'll be like, wait, what? That, that was a month ago? And, it, like, it's just so much. Like, it, and I'll tell you this. this is the greatest wisdom I can offer you in terms of being a dad, a new parent, whatever. The days are long, but the years are short. And that is the when, some, when I first heard that as a parent, that was the truest statement I have ever heard in my damn life. I would give any amount of money to have Kateri and Cecilia be little again. 
like when Facebook mm. sends you those images of my daughters at four and five years old or you know, uh, you know, when they're just learning how to walk or whatever, and it reminds you of your photos and videos that you posted, I like lose it. Like, I can't believe they're that big now that Katiri just got her ears pierced for her 10th birthday. And Whoa, I know, big uh, I know, I know I hate everything. Um, but like <laughs> all of that stuff, like you just can't imagine how fast it goes. And everyone says that, but it is honestly the curse of being an adult that time accelerates so yep. quickly. And when you look back on the last X amount of months or whatever, you see it and you're like, how wh- that was like last week. No, that was last week. And it's like, no, that was two years ago. And you can't, you can't even fathom. So I start to look at, um, so it, it is little consolation now, but between zero and four years old, as much time as possible, you need to throw yourself in her presence. Mm-hmm. I am so happy that I did not have the first year of work with Katiri, right? So I was trying to build layevangelist.com. And the second and third year, I started traveling, speaking after that, and uh, while I was working full time, and it was minimal speaking stuff. Um, that while they were young, like I was there with them and then, and then my wife was still working. And then when I was able to, you know, we cut our life to the bones so that Shannon could be a stay at home mom. And it's this, this whole notion of like being with your kids, uh, is there, there is nothing that can replace time wasted quote unquote with yeah. your kids. Yeah. Yes. That's a great way to put it. And because it just yeah, I, I just quality time is a lie. Quality is is something that spontaneously comes out of quantity, and we tell ourselves quality time, mm-hmm. quality time, because we're trying to create experiences. And the fact is, the most memorable moments that you'll have are those that organically, spontaneously arise out of large amounts of time spent with the other as other, right? Like, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. just have to do it, and. I look at those morning crying sessions or middle of the night crying sessions where mommy didn't, you know, like she, she already fed the baby. The baby's not hungry. The baby just needs some consolation. And I would go and like, I was miserable and I was fussy. So I had to like come up with something to make, to get me over me. Cause I'm everyone. It's a running joke in my family. Like if you wake up daddy, you have to give him a solid two minutes before you can actually talk to daddy <laughs> and not a monster. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> We're so alike, <laughs> but the, uh, I came out and I'm like, Cloverfield, <laughs> I must kill TJ Miller. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the big thing with it was like when I had my kids, my whole thing was, all right, I'm I, daddy's on duty. I'm going to walk with my kid while they're screaming and crying and I'm going to take him as far away from mama as possible so she doesn't have to wake up. And all I'm going to do, and this is this might sound ridiculous. Okay, Luke, this is me at my most ridiculous. <laughs> I kind of forgot the origin story of this. Do you remember that movie Battlefield, Battle LA, Battle Los Angeles, about aliens invading? Vaguely, okay, vaguely. Okay, so it it actually doesn't matter. But there was Did a, you go and see that? No. There was a... The preview for that was, I feel like it was one of the first movies 
where they took songs and like slowed them down and digitized them songs that would probably otherwise be like a little bit more peppy and then when you slow them down you're like oh dang man this song is deep oh, you know yeah, yeah well yeah, they yeah. had this ele- <laughs> yeah they had this yeah. electronica thing and uh like which we love a good slowed down like song that like has an electronic part such as i'm justin bieber's i'm baby slow down eight eight hundred percent so good fantastic so good fantastic So in the in the trailer they had this song and I would take the words of the song and I turned it into a lullaby and I would do like total like BF Skinner behavioral therapy that I would like sing whenever the kids are falling asleep I would sing them this song and then so that way in the middle of the night when they couldn't sleep I would sing that song with the idea of being like I'm bringing you to a sleepy themed moment, right? Yep. And so I was like, this is a Pavlovian response, right? Like, uh, I am, I'm going to ring the bell, and this is what the bell sounds like. And I was, you know, literally, the music was like a Gregorian chant meets Battlefield La- or Battle Los Angeles. Uh, <laughs> trailer soundtrack i'll try to put it into the into the show tonight but when i edit but um and it's, in the city on the west coast <laughs> but it works it works like even to this day if i if my girls are like being goofy and they're like they won't stop talking i'll walk in there and just go goodbye good night. oh yeah <laughs> and they like their eyes glaze over and i'm like oh daddy one daddy one that's called power right there that's power <laughs> uh t-u-r-t-l-t power if you know what i'm talking about <laughs> t-u-r-t-l-t power um you know what I've been doing with Kateri? Oh, Kateri. Uh, with, I've also been calling her, like, so many wrong names. I've called her Charlie, like, 20 times. Hey, um, Steven. I mean, Everly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was some dude who commented on some Instagram post that I shared about, it, like, how millennials don't have a printer at home. And he's like, this is why I don't like millennials. No, why I, like, hate millennials, blah, blah, blah. And his name was, like, um, uh, was, like, I'm something Joe. And I put, thanks, in quotes, Joe. um yeah it's the small things in life when you're when you are catching fox so do you you remember the hey yeah so the version of hey yeah from scrubs yeah so i will uh, sing the chorus to her just like while 
while like I'm yeah, holding nice her. and slow. Thank God for mom and dad for sticking two together because we don't know how. Yeah, because I just I don't like um nursery rhymes. I, I know there's a I'm sorry. Um, I think that's gonna freak out my mom. She like she loves them and she knows they're very important. I guess, but uh, I like it when you like have a lullaby that's just like a song that I know. Mm-hmm. And so she uh, again all about me. So I just sing a uh, hey yeah, and uh, it, and and it, it's worked. It's been good. So um. What else should we talk about about this? I don't know, man. I'm I'm just so happy for you, and uh, thank you. I I totally forgot to tell you. Get all the sleep you can when you can, and tell Aaron to do the same. Like when you're in the hospital situation, because it was nuts. Like I was sleeping on a they were it was essentially a windowsill that they had like a a cheap mat on for Katiri's birth, and in the other places I had like a nice little like pull out couch thing. But um, the the oh wait no. I didn't stay in those other places because they were scheduled C-sections at five in the morning. Um, but with Katiri, we, we were, I, I would have been miserable, but someone's like, listen, seriously, everyone's going to tell you this, really do this, get sleep, little naps anytime you can make sure, or make sure your wife can, because if it's anything like, you know, and we were, Shannon was what, like 29 when we had Katiri, um, or 30 when she had Kateri. So, you know, your risk goes up. The older you are, the risk goes up. And so we were uh, like, I mean, Shannon was in labor for 48 hours or more. We were at Saturday mass and she's having contractions while she's walking up to communion. And the older women that sat behind us, they're like, whoa, 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 we're ready to go. <laughs> and I'm like, no, we're fine. They're too far apart. Don't worry. We're okay. We wouldn't be here. We really wouldn't. I'm not that crazy. Um, of course, I was crazy enough to miss the exit to the hospital because I was texting you. <laughs> and I totally forgot about that. Shannon that was reminds- a real thing that happened. Yeah, we talk about that all the time, me and Shannon. I, I, it just, <laughs> it's one of those things where there's like, there's a main road and there's like three or four exits, one after the other that you can take to get to the hospital. Yeah. But the fastest yeah. one is the first one. And I went right <laughs> by and Shannon's like, um, What? And I was like, oh, dear Lord, I'm texting Luke. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, wife who's in labor. Need to text Luke real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm so happy for you. And I'm happy that you're, you know, y'all are home and you're able to kind of feel out, like, what is this going to look like? And things are going to change so much. Um, one of our Patreon supporters, I think it was Patreon. Maybe it was um, just email. But someone said, my wife is, oh, man, I'm going to butcher this. But essentially, my wife is uh, either an OBGYN or yes. my, and yep. basically said the two books that Gomer said are the only two that she recommends. So The Happiest Baby on the Block and What to Expect When You're Expecting the First Year. Um, those are great resources just to, like, save you, especially when the baby's screaming and crying. Um, yeah. Uh, and then lastly, what do I want to say? Oh, uh, you know, your, the, 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 the birth of your kid is awesome for me to make this a selfish narcissistic moment because there's like (laughs) so much ugliness right now in my own life. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my family, I dropped them off in St. Louis 
they're doing good. My wife's uh, sister-in-law is having some major surgery. So my wife is like, hey, I'll go up there and watch your kids for you so you can feel free. I mean, she's so awesome. And I'm like, honey, I got to work. I can't. And she goes, no, I'll take the kids. We'll all go up. It'll be great. Week, uh, two and a half weeks up there. And then I'm doing Steubenville, Florida. SteubenvilleFlorida.com. Um, I'm doing Steubenville, Florida. And um, it's the only summer conference. It's the only paid gig I'm doing live. They're flying me out there. Brian Kissinger is the host. Um, and then I'm flying. Are kids going to be there? Uh, the, the, it's like an arena and that we're doing it in. And I, I, if I remember correctly, it's like it holds like 2,000 people and 300 people are showing up. Like that's, oh, okay. that's the goal. Okay. And so. But, you know, and Kissinger would probably be really good at emceeing that. Yeah. Well, they actually got two MCs. Chris Pageant is going to do like the online live streaming emceeing. And so okay. they're doing additional stuff for those who tune into the Steubenville Live. Um, but I say all that because I desperately miss my family right now. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, uh, one of my coworkers, we just, um, you know, one of my new employees, um, we just buried her husband on, oh gosh, on um, Monday or Tuesday, excuse me. And as I'm driving to the funeral, my mom calls me screaming that my cousin was found dead. And this is the only relative that I know. And he died on in the middle of the night on Monday night. And his little sister found um, found his body on uh, oh gosh. on Tuesday morning. And so it's been super crazy with my family as a family trying to deal with all this. And, you know, my wife was, is really great with these people. Um, they live here in the woodlands, all the rest of my family's in like New York or Jersey or, um, or Philadelphia. And so I don't know them. This is the only family I know. And so, you know, every holiday that we're here, we spend with this family as well as my parents and to have all this happen is, yeah, it's, it's, it's so horrific and then to go over and spend time with their family, you know, the night that they found out, you know, I was there at around 7.15 at night. And, like, at one point, my my cousin just walked. He wasn't even in the room with us. And he walks out and he just goes, "My our whole family is just shredded. My life is shredded. And he just turns around sobbing and walks away. And you're trying to balance all this stuff. And now I'm just feeling so guilty that my... uh that my family, you know, is, you know, a thousand miles away and I'm alone here. Yeah. And so my, my, you know, when you feel bad, you think of bad things, you know, you feel depressed, you think depressing thoughts, you listen to Metallica's nothing else matters or a lot of dashboard confessional. You just bring that stuff in. And, uh, my, my mind was going to such dark places cause I'm alone. And, you know, it's like, well, what if my son Noah dies and I'm not there? And, you know, and you just keep doing this stuff. So the good news is that, you know, immediately all of my extended family, that's, you know, my, my cousin's immediate family, they're all, they've all flown in. They're all here. Okay. You know, they're all, the, the funeral is tomorrow at two, Friday at two. <sighs> and uh, my cousin Anthony said, come help us create one last memory. Um with Luke and it's such a, you know, there's such a finality to all this stuff. Yeah. But to have on the same day, you know, you're coming home with your baby and then I'm finding out about, about this with, 
you know, my cousin's son, it like, and I don't have my kids with me. It put all this stuff in such a, such a stark relief, you know, it's like the great mm-hmm. joy mm-hmm. and the intense sorrow of being yeah. a parent. And, uh, and then it gave me kind of like a new insight on the priesthood. I was saying this to one of my deacons before the funeral. I said, being clergy is so hard because you're not, there, there's a, a quickening of the rhythm of life. Like to bury someone, to go to a wedding, yep. to, to be there at the birth of a child. Like those are such great moments. But as a priest or a deacon, you know, with weddings and funerals, you're often doing them both in the same day, sometimes multiple times a week. You're at a funeral, you're trying to be a rock of consolation and share and give peace, and then you're at a wedding and you're trying to build up and give joy and celebration within two hours of each other, you know? And and then, like, at night you could be hearing confessions at, you know, um, yeah. a youth rally or something. Yeah. You know? And it just... Yeah, it, that's a really good point. Yeah, and it just, like, like, a Saturday at our church is confessions, morning mass, and then group baptisms and weddings, and that's all before, you know, 5 p.m., you know. And so you end up, like, just think of the ups and the downs, you know, someone coming in confessing they committed adultery and how could I and I hate myself and I want to die. And then you celebrate the mass where you have to be a teacher and all the And it's just wild, like, the manifestation of fatherhood, the manifestation of motherhood and in all these different ways. Like, you are now on a journey. There... <laughs> There is no completion to this. Uh, yeah. And it, and it's fascinating because this journey is going to be so unlike any other. You know, it's not like it is with your wife. You know, she's an adult yeah, who can yeah. take care of herself. That's And that's, you know, you brought up a, that's a very interesting point. Because I did have, <laughs> this which might surprise you to know that I tend to think in terms of only reflections that I can, that I can use on the podcast. And uh, one that I did have was how irrevocable this is. Yeah. There's just no going, there's no changing the fact that I'm Everly's father. <laughs> and that can be a wonderful thing and that can be a terrible thing. Yeah. And it will probably be both. <laughs> At the same time. And, you know, for, for, for her, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, told, I told her God, uh, so her, her um, godmother is going to um, be Sarah Rogers, We've talked about before, but I never really explained who she is, but uh, whatever. Um, and I said, I just need you to be able to explain to her, like, when I'm doing all my weird stuff and just being really moody. He can go, yeah, your dad can be really tough to deal with sometimes. But my point is, like, you, you know, when you brought up that, like, you know, I've just been so heartbroken for just for you and your family and and all that. And, and um, it kind of, when you, when you just talked about that it did remind me of my dad's death in the sense of that same thing of like everything's changed like everything like everything has just changed you know when you have that horrible feeling that um i mean just that of of what like your cousin's going through and god bless him we we have been praying for you know all of you guys and, just, and, and it that there is something about when just you, this power, like we really are powerless at how that can wreck us and just fundamentally, we can be fundamentally changed very, very quickly. There is before and after my dad died. Yeah. There's just, there's no, there's no way I can explain to a person 
um, how even on the phone ride home, because I think when the first person I spoke with was um, um, our buddy Adam and just um, – I think I may have called you and your phone was busy. I don't really remember what. So don't I'm, don't feel bad. I'm not that jealous. I mean, I'm, I'm not jealous. It's okay. <laughs> uh, so only us have to clarify so that. <laughs> yeah, that's really uh, I love it. Um, but uh, but I, I remember just, you know, kind of being, there was this calm that I had and just feeling very, like, I just knew that I had to, like, call a person and I really had to talk to them. But I also knew that, like, it, this was, like, I just felt like a different person on the phone than I had eight hours earlier. Yeah. And that is just, and it's not different in, you know, every way, but it, it is different. It is like, I'm, I just, I'm having this feeling like everything has changed. Like everything. I'm like, I will forever be defined as Everly's father. Yep. Something, something new is in the world that wasn't there and it's irrevocable. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. That, that. And it's, and it's very, I think, like, I think it, it, it's quite, like, it's, you know, if you want to compare, it's quite often painful when that happens. It can be pain, you know, it's a, it can be a very good thing. It can be a horrible thing. But pain is kind of involved in both of them. Obviously, yeah. two very different experiences of, of pain. I'm, I'm not trying to, like, I'm, I hope you don't think I'm trying to no. compare this to no, no, what good. your cousin's going through. I'm just, like, just this thing of, like, especially with death, there's just, like, I didn't want this. Yeah. Like death feels so like it's, it's, it's weird. Cause they're too, like, again, like they're this, there's, there's this weird overlap because it's just like, everything is just changed now. But then, and there's also this thing of like, where it's totally different because one is feels so unnatural. Yeah. Like we're not meant to die. Right. You know, there's this real, um, now there's an acceptance of death and there's an understanding of death. But there's death always feels like a violation, even when it comes and you're like, she, you know, he or she had a good life. They're old. It was time. It still hurts. Yeah. You know, and uh, I don't know where I'm going with this. Sorry. Hunters, I, I have, Hunters I, von Balthazar has a great line that we were taught in one of his classes where he says, um, really regret that I didn't attend any of those. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he said, uh, anyone who has ever been in love believes in eternal life for who could ever wish that yes. love to yep. end. And I think about that, that line all the time. And it just, it's so powerful. Cause it's like, if it's real love, you don't want it to end. You don't want it to change. You don't want it to fade. And, uh, yeah, I got a lot of Harry Potter thoughts. I'm two hours away from finishing the last book. My boy. <laughs> and, uh, I think one of the the funny, like, let me just make a stupid connection here with that, is like the Harry Potter uh, elements of it and J.R. Tolkien elements of it both do this thing where it's like using demonic power to hold on to things that you can't hold on to in this life, right? And Ooh. the great line that yeah. Bilbo Baggins says, right, is I feel like... Uh, butter spread out over too much bread or too little butter spread out over too much bread or whatever it is. And it's that, that thinness of, uh, of the experience and, and the forcing of it and the, the aping, the aping, you want to prolong the thing, but in, in the desire to prolong it, you actually corrupt it. And I just, yes. I just think about that, like for the, 
for the Harry Potter series, like the story that they tell of these three brothers and these three objects. Um, one of the objects is the resurrection stone that brings people back to life. And it's like, yeah, but they're not, it's not like how they were. It's this shadowy, crappy version of what they were. And so it'll, or even if you, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Like when you like the um, ghost in Harry Potter, they're neither dead nor yeah. alive and they can't really experience anything. Yeah. That's why, like, when they have, like, the ghost party, the food is all horrible and rancid because there's the thought that perhaps if it's real bad, I can have a taste of it. Yeah. It'll find a way to – and it just – yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's just things like that that, like, you can't get away from in this life. We can't saccharize and sanitize all of this stuff, and it's so horrific when we experience it. And I'm going to tell you, the most important thing you can do – the, the Jewish people nailed it is sitting Shiva with people. Shiva, Shiva, Shiva. Yep. It's yep. just yep. sitting with people. And as St. Paul says, weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn. Right. Like don't try to say things. Don't try to talk them out of it. Just be with them. And I, I think we are out of, uh, what is it? Out of ashes. Um, the episode that we did with uh, Ben Walther's wife, Maria, our, our oh, buddy yeah, Ben's wife. Yeah. Um, Maria Walther has that beautiful ministry where she writes to people who have lost children. And she says the, the biggest hurt is on the anniversary of their baby's death, no one says anything. And on the baby's projected birthday, no one says anything. And so she's like, so I say something, and there's a massive amount of comfort because you feel a loving presence, even though what you're saying is not an answer to the question, why did this happen? It's something more it's some it's the presence is more important than even answers at least right now at least while you're going through it and that's the whole book of job i mean job ends not with god giving him the answer why it basically shows up and says job are you as powerful as me have you done all this amazing stuff no well guess what shut up and then god reveals himself to uh job and then tells job hey go tell all your friends uh, that they better repent because they lied about me. And all they were saying was, you're being punished because you're a sinner. You sinned, therefore God punishes you, and you're lying to yourself and others about not being a sinner. And he's like, no, they lied about me. So it never, like, God doesn't actually give the answer, why is there suffering in this book about suffering? But he gives you something better than an answer. He gives you his presence. And drawing from mm -hmm. that, the whole Jewish mm -hmm. culture in 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 dealing with death loss and mourning is like you just go and you just stay with them and you be with them and it reminds me of when our buddy matt covey died like all we did was there was you know 30 or 40 of us we just sat there with him with his coffin was in the house overnight and we and you could come and go out of this kind of front sitting room, but we were just with each other. And sometimes we cried and sometimes we told hilarious stories. And sometimes, you know, we went off to the side and got a glass of water and, Hey, I haven't seen you in five years or two years. How are you? You know, mm -hmm. and you caught up and all these things kind of happened because we were just present without doing anything, you know? Yeah. And there's this, uh, it reminds me of this is here's um, another one of Luke's unformed thoughts. There's this great scene in Mad Men. Uh, it's in um, the seventh. It's in the seventh season where he's really kind of having his like he's just trying to grasp at you know really anything for life, just to have a life and to feel that he's noticed and that he's loved and he's trying to find a thing 
that that matters and he goes to track down this woman he has that he um had an affair with in in um in season one and she died like she he finds out that like she died of cancer and she ended up i'm getting married and she had two kids and and he's he shows up to um i'm so sorry if i pronounced this wrong he shows up uh to the shiva is it shiva Shiva? I think it's Shiva. I think it's pronounced. Shiva? Okay. So he goes there, and he's just trying to offer his condolences, and her sister, like, um, knows who who he is. And she's like, you don't belong here. Oh, wow. And it's just like, and it's it's this real, like, you can tell that he's actually pained by this, but it's because of his selfishness that he was never really able to enter into anything like that. And so, because you know, he's now divorced from two wives, and the and he, I would argue, he actually really did care about this woman. He didn't love her, but he did care about her. It just he only cared about. He said in the end, he could only really view her as a, what she could do for him, as opposed to this whole other person. Yeah. And it's really interesting how he was kind of denied this morning experience because he never had a right to it in the first place. And when you, um, I'm not. This is not like an argument against your ministry of um, of like presence. It's really trying. I'm trying to find, like show that when it's real and it's authentic, it's really, really good. Yeah. And I think he almost tries to like use it at the at. Okay, okay. Here's what it is. He tries to use it, and he really does. He like he's sad that she's dead, but he's not feeling the pain that they're feeling. His greater pain is that the fact that she can't, he can't go and have an affair with her again. Oh yeah, that he's denied this opportunity to connect with her in a way that he had in the past. To like, he couldn't use her anymore. She'd been taken, and it's and he thinks that his place that he can like go to the family and and he's not there to mourn um, with them, but he's there like he does drop off on the uh, food, and it's just like this. This is more about you, really. Mm. And just how that it um it's such a, I don't know I don't know I just think I just it just I just think it's so interesting that this idea of of like truly being truly being present out of a pure gift which he was not doing. Yeah. He even in her death he couldn't help but use her. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And um, <laughs> it's just uh, I don't I don't mean to turn this joyful moment with your daughter's birth. No, 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 no. This is where my mind goes. But I, 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 yeah, but it's been all, all of those things have been on my mind though. Yeah. You know, because you can't help but like, I mean, like just seeing. You know, I didn't realize how close you guys were, but. Uh, so I'm so, I mean, I really, I'm so sorry. I feel bad because I haven't been able to I'll talk to you about it all that much, but, um, there's this thing I've been thinking a lot about Harry Potter and like the difference between him and Voldemort. And there's this line in the beginning of, of the first book where they talk about how like, um, the mother that Harry's love had for him is ingrained into his skin. Like, it, it, it penetrates him so deeply. It's like in his skin. It's, it's in his very being in essence of like who, of who, of who, of who he is. And in a weird way, that pain, that love 
there's a tremendous price for Harry because of that. Yeah. Because his mom protects him, Harry then has to, you know, um, uh, spoiler alert, so skip ahead half a minute. Uh, here's the, like, here's your horn. Thank you. You know, the whole prophecy is like, um, neither can live while the other one survives, right? And one of them, like, like, he's gonna try to kill Harry. Yeah. So Harry's whole childhood once he comes back even before that he's a marked man yeah and he ha- and he has to fight this fight that he's going to fight because Harry's a good person who cares but it's like like that like love and that's but like like that almost love is all the difference in the world that's what allows Harry to win yeah uh, uh shit <laughs> sorry <laughs> I didn't spoil it, I promise. But I was very close to it. Yeah. No, I sorry. No, and oh, you, just, you just think it? like like uh even um Tom Riddle's desire to live forever only comes at the cost of murdering others and ripping his soul into seven different pieces in order so that yeah. if any yep. one thing is destroyed or his body is destroyed, he can somehow regenerate. But the so I mean it I think fictional accounts of this stuff tap into something that is that is deep wired into human experience which is nothing of this world lasts that's why our wedding vows are till death do you part but there is a beauty in that and the moment you try to force permanence in an artificial way it, it it always and forever corrupts the thing itself and that's why Harry. <laughs> okay, you've seen the seventh film, so what I said before hasn't spoiled anything, right? Right. I mean, I yeah, it's Harry Potter, but don't. I'm almost okay. done with the book. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to. I'm, I'm just going to say, there's to do what we want, and what we want can be aligned with like the true, the good, and the beautiful, or like what we want can be aligned with our own twisted or uh, like selfish our own twisted our own screwed our own unlovable brokenness and our own our like like, like selfishness it um when we go about trying to do those things it impacts it like it makes a huge difference Mm -hmm. you know this ability to say to say i act out of love or i act out of like you know because again going back to like don i'm gonna draper when he goes to you know comfort this family it's out it's you know out of selfishness what if he had gone and he he tried and now he couldn't yet he couldn't but this is his arc what if he could be selfless what if he could just go and not say who he was but just say i you know i um i was a friend of hers from 10 years ago we were really close i just want to say i'm so sorry yeah and truly mean that what a difference and that's what real presence is, right? It's not, it's it's not sitting there because, like, what's the hardest part of that is you don't know what to do, you you, you don't know what to say. There's no script, but you just have to be there, mm-hmm. and that's what matters. The, like the big, the greatest things that you, like that you did for me um, when my dad dies was you and Jaeger just came out here, right? You know, and I had friends who 
just came out uh, to this funeral. Like, and I had friends who said they, you know, they almost did, but they weren't able to, you know, and all this stuff, like people almost canceled on vacation plans and some like almost, you know, like drove, you know, I had like one friend who said she was almost drove, uh, drove through the whole night to be there. And I found out like years later that she was very close to doing that. Except something with work popped up and she just couldn't do it. And it, uh, like things like that are like, wow, that's like, there's just something really good about that. And you don't, we are often, I think our compassion, you know, the, and, and there's like a sacrament, there's, um, oh gosh, uh, one of the acts of mercy or whatever there's is to comfort the, it's comfort of the morning, right. Or, or something like that. Yeah. Comfort the afflicted. Yeah. Um, is like, or no, um, is to bury the dead. Yeah. Part of that, I think, is just, and we, I think, so often why we don't do that, or we don't like, we don't know like what to do, and that's one of the most stressful things is when you go to a funeral, like, what do you do when, it, like, a baby's born, like, what do you do? And it's so, it's just, just show up. That's all that matters. Yeah. That's what people are remembering. That's what they, you know, they just, it meant the world to us that my dad's best. For of course, he was going to be there. But that he came to my dad's funeral or that are, are like, you know, old neighbors who we just loved that we hadn't talked to in a long time. They came. That meant the world to us. Yeah. And so you, you know, seeing your cousin go through all that, the fact that you're there, like in his, you know, what is probably going to be his, you know, his like his like lowest moment, like you're there. And the fact that I could share with you one of my highest moments, like you're there. That's let's be that's there's it's it's beautiful yeah yeah and i know no one wants to go no everyone wants to come up with the right thing to say and we all get awkward when we're around people with profound suffering and loss that we um that we we get awkward and we don't want to go to those things because we don't know what to say but the point is not saying the right thing so take that pressure off yourself and get rid of that anxiety and just go and be there I didn't know this. So the sitting, sitting Shiva with, uh, with people, it, it, and I was like, why does Shiva sound so familiar to me? And I realized it's the Hebrew number seven. So it's like a seven day mourning period. And there is a, uh, a blessing prayer that they say in when the Jews, um, the Ashkenazi Jews mourn on the seven days. And it's, uh, there are two different prayers and one's called the Kaddish. And it's so powerful because, like, all this stuff that I've heard and studied about, right, like in in theology, like the Jewish origins of X, Y, or Z, you know. Um, But this is, like, literally when people come together for the seven days, it all starts with a prayer of praise to God. Hmm. And it it all, it's all, like, bless and praise be God. Bless him, bless his, may his name be great and exalted. And it all starts with that. And then they have prayers specifically for for the dead, for the soul of the deceased and all that stuff. But it, it starts off with the Kaddish, which is like this prayer of praise. And it is powerful. Um, That's beautiful. Yeah. And it reminded me of like when I was at the funeral service for my, my uh, coworker's husband. Um, the readings, are like this is why I love being Catholic. This is why I love masses for funerals because the readings that they chose like they chose the first reading was from lamentations and it was like a punch to the gut 
And then the second reading was Romans. And it is, you know, neither death nor life nor, you know, shall separate us from the love of God or love of Christ. And the idea of like these things are so powerful. But then the collects and uh, the, you know, the prayers that they pray for the, the, the prayers of the faithful, like are so powerful that if we would just like worship with it, it becomes such a profound source of consolation and like, okay, this thing happened, right? This funeral Mm -hmm. happened. There's an element of closure, even though you're not done mourning, there's an element of closure that is embodied in the ritual itself. And the ritual orients you not just to your own grief, like a feedback loop, but it acknowledges the grief in as not just your own prison, but like this thing now that we all communally share in. Like when I go to a funeral liturgy, I am volunteering to shoulder the burden of grieving with you. Not the same as you, but now, you know, yeah, like when one is lifted up, all are lifted up. When one is cast down, all are cast down. And this notion of like, I am with you in this process. So like that sitting Shiva, that notion of, you know, mourning with them in the funeral liturgies, like there is so much power there. There is so much power there. So I am, I'm always thankful for being Catholic in those circumstances, like weddings and funerals, uh, baptisms of infants. Like it, it just delights my chubby little soul. Yeah. Dude, it's a, there's a, I'm outside right now. There's just a beautiful, uh, beautiful sunset. Uh, so funny story. I have finished painting three coats and two, three coats of chalkboard paint and two coats of primer, a whole wall upstairs where my wife homeschools the kids. So, uh, I got to let it rest for 24 hours and then I got to do all this stuff. But that's part of my, while dad is home, this is how he occupies himself. And I am covered, covered in paint right now. So you me from two months ago. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think you should put the uh, you should oh I should send you the voicemail that you left me last last week and you can put that up like like the beginning of the episode. <laughs> oh, yeah, can you send voicemails? I don't even know if you could do that. That's cool. I think so. I think, so. I okay. think it's just a voicemail. Yeah. Uh, I just assume Apple just they spy on everything, so they allow us um, on the share of your phone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I would love to. Oh, man, being alone, being my brother, Chris, right? So he's lifetime bachelor. He called me up and we were talking about the funeral stuff. And he goes, um, so how have you been? And I said, terrible. I was like, Chris, Shannon and the kids are gone. I'm living like a single person in this whole house by myself. I said, I am miserable. I'm half tempted to ask my friends if I can babysit their kids. And he starts laughing. He's like, what is wrong with you? And I was like, Chris. This life is empty. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing has meaning. Don't you know? Don't you know? Yeah. So, well, Luke, uh, I'm going to let you go so you can go back and, oh, there it is. Got your audio file. So you can go and uh, love on that um, brand new baby and mama and all that good stuff. And you can spend time with your in-laws. Woo! It's great. Yeah, yeah they're they're actually fan- they're fantastic. So, so good. we're real blessed. Yeah. Um, uh, thank you everyone for your, for, uh, just your um, support, especially everyone who, uh, gave me gifts and gift cards. That's amazing. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Um, yeah, we've heard people have like send me stuff. It's really incredible. So thank you everyone. You guys are fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. All right, y'all. God bless. Stay classy. Enjoy not sleeping.
<laughs> Thank you to our fine sponsors over at Sacrilegious. Sacrilegious.com for sponsoring this show. Awesome. <laughs> Luke, I think you brought your baby home today. I want pictures. I want to put them up on Patreon. I'm bored out of my effing mind. My family's not here, and I thought I would have fun playing video games and dicking around, and I hate my life. It's just how you lived in your 20s. You had all the time in the world, and it's too much time. Oh, it's too much time. The canvas is too blank. I can't live. I can't live this way, I tell you. It's miserable. Look, my dog keeps biting my hand. What?